KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby, on KMOX. And good morning, good Saturday, good grief. A lot of things happening around town, all interesting. KMOX on top of everything. Two hours home improvement today. This is the Helitech Home Improvement Show. Two hours, I do have a guest coming in. I've invited Brian Adcock of Helitech. He'll be in in the next half hour visit with us for a few minutes about the uh, split personality we have of warm cold wet dry all those things happening right here in the middle of the country phone lines for you 10 phone lines all of this is about for and by you phone lines 314-436-7900 314-436-7900 and toll free anywhere on the globe 800-925-1120 800-925-1120 topics throughout the hour today that I will intersperse uh, just a little bit about identifying a load-bearing wall fireplaces how we can really talk about those the hearths uh, designs what the various things and a little bit of about the building codes for safety, primarily around how not to burn your house down. That might be interesting to you. Also about kitchen islands. What's to do about kitchen islands? Well, you know, a thousand years ago, we had a fire in the middle of the cave out on the prairie, wherever we were, you know, and that was the entire kitchen. Nowadays, we're coming back around, and you've heard it all about uh, kitchens. No matter where I invite my guests, they always wind up in my yeah, you heard it from your own voice, kitchen. Uh, and that's really just around the social gathering place that food, food prep, kitchens, and uh, kind of great rooms and the open flowing format floor plan of today's homes, whether new or remodeled or do-it-yourself projects, all those are seeking to get the barriers out of the way and get back to just the fire in the middle of the cave where everybody can see everybody or in the prairie you can see the threats as well as the friends all around you but again kitchens remain the heart the hearth the home and we're going to talk about fireplace kitchens and load-bearing walls because all of those believe it or not tie in together as to what walls you can get rid of economically and which ones maybe not 314-436-7900 314-436-7900 toll free 800-925-1120 i wish you all health safety and security because that's kind of what our homes do uh, at least i hope they do uh, because if not, then it's up to us to modify, change, renovate, remodel, um, all those words to make that area suit and serve us as the occupants, the homeowners, the residents, guests, all those things that we are around getting getting together. Whether it's changed, you know, within our bubbles with this COVID issue, all these things are important, as well as the business end of it. I can talk to you a little bit about that. Uh, my day job is Mosby Building Arts. Uh, we're 72 years old, founded by my father in 1947, or 70, we're in our 73rd year, if you will. Um, I've been around on KMWX for quite a long time, primarily because 
I love this stuff. I am a student of uh, building science, which is a, you know, shined up word for figuring it out, how to mess it up, uh, primarily as our manufacturers, our products, our energy efficiency, the various different regions around the United States. We used to have one building code and everything, everybody thought it all served everybody. Are you sure that the climate down in Florida would be the same in northern Minnesota, that the building methods would be the same well I exaggerate to make my point they're not so again the science of figuring out what makes sense in the middle of the country was uh, really moved from the building code which really did not serve to the local contractors the architects designers all that and then it got so complex very much as governing in our nation is now that you have to know so much about so many things that it really gets excuse me segmented to specialists in various areas um so consider me a generalist i don't know a whole lot about much but i know a little bit about a lot of things so i'm a great generalist and that kind of serves me in my career at mosby building arts i love people i love getting people to work together and i enjoy the smiles this is the only career that i can think of and i call it getting paid twice at the end of a project people smile give us high five big hugs and then they hand us a check. I can't believe that. Uh, so 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. We get paid for doing what we love to do anyway. If you doubt that, ask us what we do on the weekends. There you go. Uh-huh. Cobbler's kid shoes. Now, maybe our houses may not be the ones that uh, get all that work. But, uh, indeed, we love what we're doing. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Uh, I will talk to you about the trials and the tribulations and the failures of products, this whole thing of building science, what worked, what didn't work. And I, I promise you, if you put manufacturers together with a large research and development budget, they can figure out new, better, slicker, uh, more performance-oriented products faster than the trades can train ourselves to make those things work together. So if you think about it, power is important. Power has the, cha- the ability to make changes very rapidly, both good and bad. Um, you know, and, and my simple generalist mind, it's kind of like you can't necessarily take a Ford uh, car part and put it on a Chevrolet, even though they look like they're the same kind of size of car. They're just not engineered that way. They don't get along. They don't have the infrastructure, the various subsystems. And nowadays, the computers, even down to fireplaces. Anybody have a remote control fireplace? Click the thing. Gas light comes on. Pretty slick, huh? Yeah. How about now your microwave? You go up with a, uh, a, a packaged uh, meal and you put it in front of the microwave. It scans the barcode and it knows what to cook that thing. So you take it out of the box, you follow the instructions, slide it back in and you hit start. And the microwave knows what to do. Uh, yep, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. How about those Cardinals? I was off last week for the Cardinal baseball game. Uh, that's later on today here on KMWAC. Stay tuned. We've got lots of things happening. And indeed, it, it, the topic today is you. 
314-436-7900-800-925-1120. My name is Scott Mosby. I own Mosby Building Arts. We've been around since 1947. I love that. I get to work indoors, outdoors, creative people, productive people, problem solvers, idea people, uh, dreamers, clients who want this and that. It's like, well, how do we hold that thing up? Well, that's what we do. We figure out how to hold the roof up around that beautiful dream vision idea that Mr. and Mrs. just came up with because we love that stuff and we really can't help ourselves. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Let's take a short pause here while I catch my breath. My buddy Bosco Pet Gerbil, he's running the treadmill, cranking out 50,000 watts so we can broadcast this seven-state region Iowa, Indiana, oh, all the way to Ohio. Yeah, Ohio, Ohio, kind of like the Robin, Ohio. Uh, And then Kansas as well on the west and and even as far as eastern uh, uh, Colorado. Uh, 314-436-7900-809-251120. Scott Mosby, I am yours at your service here on KMOX. Welcome back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, once again, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, we are live and lively here in Mike Miller's world. Uh, this is the world of KMOX. You are the family of KMOX. And let's go to the phones of KMOX and talk to Bob about vinyl windows. Hey, Bob, thanks for getting us started this fine morning. How can I help you, sir? Hey, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. My question revolves around a 16-year-old house, mm-hmm. uh, has relatively decent vinyl windows, and they've had no performance problems, mm-hmm. but they don't get opened and closed as much as they should. Some have not been opened in over 10 years. Um, I've broken one, and I've had to pay a lot of money to get it fixed, and I don't want to go through that again. How can I get those uh, tracks lubricated properly so I can get those windows working again probably sometime after the heat of the summer breaks down? Well, there, there are two ways to go about this. Uh, number one is a spray lubricant. The other, old school, and frankly, as an old carpenter, it, it, I used to carry a bar of soap at the time, a bar of dial soap, and then I graduated to paraffin wax because that was a lubricant. If you use a liquid spray, it tends the dust tends to stick to it, whereas if you're using a wax, which was soap or paraffin, and just slide it up and down those tracks, and you have to, with a vinyl window or an aluminum window, they're tines or splines, metal things that stick out toward the center of the opening. So you have to really kind of work that paraffin up and down and around so that the first time you open that window, it actually moves. The problem with it is in 10 years, you know, a lot of that coating, even on the vinyl, you've got vinyl, sticky vinyl sticking to sticky vinyl. Um, so the issue is be very careful. If you can't open it, just don't. Um, and and frankly, um, it, the issue is on getting out in a fire, that's why those windows need to be operated and lubricated and operable. So you have to figure out whether it's worth it to live or not. But frankly, if you open those windows and they're stuck like that, you may break them again and they do cost a lot. But my point of view on that is your life is worth more than that. Go ahead and mess up the window. Just make sure you can get out in a fire. I appreciate it. The windows that have not been opened are in a basement that's not finished and nothing's there. So it's not a threat there, but I appreciate your insight and I appreciate your help. 
Yeah, Bob, uh, don't worry about it. And if you uh, keep in mind on vinyl windows, there are things called balances. They're little metal things. They're round and circular. And those are the springs that help lift the sash up. And if you have double hungs and help pull the sash down and back up, uh, those can be replaced, as you've probably discovered. So anyway, uh, I, it, you might even, if you get a whole bunch of windows that just don't open and you want to open them, you might call a window service guy and just say, look, I need you for half a day. How much is that going to be? And, and and have them come over and work hey, good those ideas for you. Yep. Good idea. I appreciate that. Thank you very much, sir. Okay, Robert. Ounce of prevention beats a pound of cure. So uh, preventive maintenance really uh, works well. And, you know, it's kind of like the guy that gets $50 for turning the screw, and he walks in two minutes later, turns the screw, and says, that's $50. It's the way you only did two minutes. He says, yeah, it's $5 for turning the screw, 45 for knowing which one. Sometimes with windows and doors and appliances, especially air conditioners, furnaces, you are much better off proactively scheduling a service call and getting a smart somebody in to come get those uh, working. For example, if you've ever had an injury around an elbow, a knee, a back, any kind of a sports industry injury, you have become acquainted with a physical therapist. Think of that as a physical therapist for your windows, a physical therapist for your door, a physical therapist for your air conditioner. On and on and on we go. Uh, let's go up and see what's happening with my friend Sharon. Hey, Sharon, good morning. Welcome to CAMWAX. How may I help you? Good morning, Scott. Thanks for taking my call. Um, just two quick questions. We live in a home that's about four years old. Our house faces west. Uh, the sun comes really heavy on the back of the house uh, in the later afternoon. We were thinking about tinting our windows, our residential windows. We wanted to know what you thought about that. Oh, it's pretty effective, uh, courtesy of, of NASA, National Aeronautic and Space Administration. Uh, those are the guys that pretty much 50 years ago invented how to reject, reflect, and get rid of the heat, so it's not a heat gain issue. So uh, big deal. It's it's a real positive thing. Uh, 3M has been big in that whole industry. There are now other manufacturers. I am very much a fan of tinting windows. Be careful because um, even with our new replacement windows when uh, we put these reflective technologies on the glass just like you're about to apply that film you're now reflecting rejecting the heat and if it concentrates that heat on your neighbor's vinyl siding you can melt their siding so uh, don't be surprised if you have a few unintended consequences this is one of those things that's powerful it can be powerfully good or powerfully bad so make sure you know that you know exactly where that shine is happening so I'm not a big fan of the reflective it looks like a mirror, like a mirror, but you can get seventy to eighty-five percent of the heat gain reflected off the windows with that. Okay, so if our neighbor is behind us, is pretty close. She has a light gray siding, and that's where we're getting a lot of reflection in the morning. Even yeah. though we have shade in the morning on that side of the house, but if we're too close to our neighbors, because most of the tinting that's been done in our subdivision or that we've seen is the mirror effect. I mean, there are different levels of it, you know, sure. and so where, what do we look for? Because we've heard 3M, you can't use Windex on it. Another one, SunTech, you can use Windex. We're not sure which direction to go for what manufacturer to not melt someone else's siding. <laughs> well, and anything that works for you runs the risk of melting somebody's siding because you are, by definition, rejecting the heat. 
Uh, and if you want to know where that goes, you take a mirror out and just, you know, tape it to the outside of the windows you're going to tint, and you can follow where that reflection goes. And if it crosses across that siding when the sun tracks the sky, and keep in mind where it tracks, it's usually just the summer sun um, because it'll come in those western afternoons. Um, you know, the wintertime, it's not as intense, so you're not going to melt siding in the winter. But, by you know, right. by golly, you will in the summer. And then as far as a uh, company is concerned, most of them look like mirrors. Are there other ones that don't look like a mirror on the outside? Oh, heavens, yes. Oh, heavens, yes. You have seen thousands of coated windows, uh, both manufactured that way and aftermarket applications, and you just don't know it. So the most effective ones are, they look like mirrors. But, you know, you can you can tune that down by 15, 20 percent. You're still re, re, reflecting 70 or 75 percent, and they don't necessarily look like a mirror. So, you know, you ba- there is no perfect or else everybody would have that one thing. Everything mixes. So it's up to you as to what you want it to look like, how reflective you want it. And, and then, you know, when you get down to what is affected by Windex and all, you're way out, you're way above my badge level. I'm a great generalist, yeah. but, you know. All that is. Well, we've had two bids, and both of them have been different companies, uh, of course, and mm-hmm. different manufacturers, but they all look like the both that we've had look like a mirror on the outside of the window. Oh, there are many, many other coatings. There okay. are so many coatings. Every coat of Every color of paint has a coating because there's coatings literally, you know, for the space shuttle. They're coatings for glass. They're coatings for, you know, high refractory furnaces, you know. So okay. Uh, okay. it's out there. You may need you may need to go to a window company and, you know, you know, like a mirror and, and shower door type and say, what do you know about coatings? You may need to get... Okay down the food chain a little bit away from here's what we do uh because it's, it and, and then who puts it on does matter but it's more who's going to stand behind it with you that's what the big issue is okay thank you the second question is we had a tiger deck installed on the back of our house which again gets a lot of the sun and we have had um as you look at the boards and the fasteners underneath we've mm-hmm. got a situation where it's narrower on one end, the opening, but mm-hmm. it seems to get wider as you go across the deck, 12 by 16, 12 by 18, whatever it is. And so I'm wondering if that's natural for a tiger deck to do that. Uh, does it change from season to season? Is it different in the winter and the summer? I don't believe so. Yeah, that was an installation issue. Um, and, and typically, that tiger deck is so strong that sometimes they really can't turn it too much. I mean, there are there are tools, there are $250 tools that are made for tiger deck, Ipe, um, Palopi, lumbers like that that are so strong that they're four-foot levers to try and straighten those boards out. So the, the reality is, yeah, that was an installation issue. Some of that's inherent in that material, though. It's stronger than oak. Yes, and, and, and it looks great, and, and, but the question is, you know, we do have a warranty on it. Um, they did replace one board already on our deck, um, mm-hmm. and so we tried to go back to the company that did that, and they came out, took pictures, and then we tried to get a hold of them, not 
heard anything. We just wanted to know if it was. We felt like it was just too wide as you went from one end to the other. You see that fastener much more than you do any of the other boards on the deck. And so that's why we just didn't know if it was something that can be fixed or are we just stuck with the way it is. Uh, it may be a combination of both. It, yes, it can be fixed. What it would require is peeling back all the other boards installed after that. So once you straighten that board out, now you've created the gap on the other side of that same board, and then you have to move that board over, and then that board, and then that. so basically, what you're describing is redecking, removing, and redecking the entire application. So some companies are going to be willing to do that, some are not. Okay. Well, thank you very much, and have a great day. You bet. Take care, Sharon. Thank you. And now up, you know, I've got the treat. Uh, I've got Brian Adcock, who's here from Helitech. Brian, thanks for coming in. Good morning. And uh, how you doing? I'm doing great, Scott. Thanks very much. Thanks for taking time out of your busy Saturday. I know you folks at Helitech are hopping and popping. Sure are. Still uh, finishing my paperwork from this week. Uh, we've been helping a lot of customers try to stay dry through all this. Brian, what are you seeing? I mean, as you go out in this past week or two, uh, what type of appointments uh, and issues are you uh, seeing that uh, homeowners are calling on Helitech for? Well, I have seen uh, situations where people really haven't had much of an issue um, with some existing mitigation that's been done. But with uh, when you start talking about five, six, seven inches of rain in an afternoon, some of these uh, things can get overwhelmed. I had a gentleman... <clears throat> Had a very had a lot of drainage. He installed himself in his backyard, French drain, uh, and the system just became overwhelmed. And mm-hmm. uh, his cleanouts went flying out, and uh, his porch flooded, and thus had some issues inside. So um, it, it has been uh, a significant amount of rain we've had. Well, I like that. I, I enjoy when uh, somebody tries to do the best they can. But if you're gonna, if it doesn't work. Then you go nuclear and you call Helitech to really get it fixed once and for all. Exactly. Yeah, we uh, we <clears throat> we can install various things, uh, you know, inside or outside. You know, uh, wanting to keep uh, in an effort to keep the basement dry, we're we're able to offer that life of the structure uh, warranty when we do it from the inside. And but there's also lots of things we can do outside to mitigate and uh, reduce the amount of water around the foundation. Certainly. Uh, getting the roof load of water away from a house is yeah. the most common thing I see that can really help. Well, Brian, it's kind of unusual here. We're in the middle of August, later part of August, and we're talking about wet. Uh, when was it's the last amazing, time? Isn't it? Yeah, man. What's you know what happened to the dry shrinking soil and the dry you know summers in August? I haven't had a whole lot of that so far this year, <laughs> but it's amazing how quickly it can dry out if we go a week or two without rain. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, uh, tell me about the Helitech uh, um, hydroway system. You fellas uh, ha- are the only ones in town that handle that system. I imagine that's kind of handy to uh, deploy now with all this rain. Yeah, it's really a remarkable product. And uh, one of the biggest things about it is the inflow rate it has since it's uh, over 75% open space. Uh, it's designed to go down in the ground, in the mud. It has its own ge- geotextile fabric. So the real key there is, is, how, is how it's able to accept the water. As I mentioned, a gentleman had a French drain, which is that corrugated uh, ADS pipe, and only so much water can, can get in through in those little slits where a hydroway product is very effective at, at collecting that water 
Uh, and yeah, we, uh, that's why when we install that product uh, on the interior, we're able to give that life of the structure warranty. Uh, and we do, there are applications where we do it outside, much like they'll do in the, on a lot of the athletic fields, mm-hmm. where there'll be a main trunk line and um, several what we call kind of herringbone um, offshoots to the main channel to increase the surface area there. And uh, we can collect a tremendous amount of water with that product. Wow. Well, as long as you know what you're doing. <laughs> which exactly. is where you guys come in. I mean, I can play with the same materials. I don't think we're going to get the same quite uh, net result that it is with your team. <laughs> we have a lot of experience. Uh, we have uh, <clears throat> great superintendents and foremen, and we actually are. I'm going to throw this out there. Uh, we've been so busy uh, through all of this. Uh, we are actually hiring uh, experienced foremen, laborers, and Helitech's a great company to work for, so I encourage anybody listening uh, that that has been displaced through any of this uh, tough times we're going through to contact Helitech. Yeah, good company, long time and locally owned. So nice, nice business. Yep. Hey Brian, will you stick yeah. around for a little bit? We're going to take a short pause. Would you uh, stick around see if we've got some uh, waterproofing and foundation calls here coming in? My pleasure, Scott. Thank you. All right, Brian Adcock, Helitech, standing by, and this is University of Camwex, Scott Mosby, Brian Adcock along, and we'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, once again, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, Bosco in the background, cranking out 50,000 watts. Brian Adcock of Helitech standing by. Let's go talk to my friend Pat and see what's cooking in Pat's world. Pat, good morning. How may I help you? Good morning. Good morning. Yes, I'm scheduled to get siding put on my house, which will be the insulated siding. Uh-huh. It will be taken off the old siding and the back, and there's like a, a pressure wood backing or something behind it or yeah. that's attached underneath it. Was I coming off or down to the clapboard, original siding? Do I still need a wrap underneath the insulated siding that's going on? Um, uh, yes and no. Uh, I will ask you this, that typically in the middle of the U.S., if you're putting on insulated siding, I would ask that the old clapboard come off too because when water turns when water vapor inside the wall cavity moves to the outside and it cools off it will condense or turn into water on the back side of the first siding it encounters so if you're not removing um, the previous layers of siding including that wood clapboard then uh, you're uh, also designing in perhaps some uh, moisture issues. So I would ask that you remove that old wood, and then at that point inspect the wall. Uh, How old is your house, Pat? Probably 65 years old or so. Yeah, then I would. I mean, all I'm doing, I'm spending a lot of your money here, by the way. But oh, the, yeah. real, the right way to do it is to pull that second layer of siding off because that's, you know, that's how your house was built. And that was without the, the house wrap, then that was fine. It wasn't very energy efficient. It wasn't sealed up very tightly. But now that you're putting on a new insulated siding, I would then advocate for a house wrap over the old sheathing, which, uh, you know, is probably an OSB or plywood or something like that. So uh, although it's not absolutely um, um, required, uh, it will improve the performance of that house with a a new insulated siding. 
Is your thing go down to the studs or basically the wrapping on the original studs or something? Yeah, you basically you would pull off that clapboard, the 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 lap siding underneath that. You will probably find felt, like fifteen pound roof, fifteen pound roofers felt. Uh, that was the old material of the day, um, and if not, and that would come off, and then you put on a new Tyvek or a Smart Shield or or whatever kind of uh, house wrap you choose, and then go on with your new siding. But that's quite a bit more work and more money. But that's Technically, from a science standpoint, that's the way to do it. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll have to consider that, but I, I wasn't expecting that extra expense. So, so. Sorry you asked, aren't you, Pat? It's like, <laughs> wow, this guy just spent a bunch of my money. Yeah, a whole lot more. <laughs> well, I mean, you can you can do it the way you're doing. I'm not going to say that it's not done, but it is not technically the correct way to manage moisture. And the more we know, and, and your new siding is going to last a long time. So it's a long time good or a long time not so good. So, uh-huh. you know, over, a, you know, divided by 30, 40 year life of siding, you know, the cost of that extra work is pretty minimal. Okay. Because the gentleman um, was even, not even suggesting the tie of the wrap. He was, um, yeah. you know, the salesperson was not even suggesting that I needed that. So that was the reason I was concerned that I should have that at least. But. Well, it's an easy job to sell. If I show you a lower price, then you're ready to go. But if I yeah. show you what I think is the right solution, you know, and it's hard for consumers to know when they're getting, you know, smoke blown up or, or whether they're getting the straight skinny. So a lot of that is choosing which com- company you do business with. But reality is I, I on my home, I would remove that siding and I would put a house wrap and then I would reside on top of that. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate your help. Okay, Pat. Thanks. Bye now. Okay. There we go. One of the best parts about this business is I get to spend somebody else's money. I mean, it's great. You know, you get into the design, it's like, you know what? If we just raise that ceiling another foot, we could do this. And you've seen it on HGTV. It's a great it's a great career. I love working at Mosby Building Arts. We get to do dreams. Uh, also, we've got Brian Adcock here who gets to fix dreams. Uh, Brian, uh, anything happening in the world of Helitech that's uh, new, improved, and great? I mean, uh, what's cooking? And uh, you guys are always coming up with new stuff. Yeah, you know, we're always getting better at our at our processes. Um, you know, with all this rain. Speaking about the Hydroway, yeah. that actually is a product that we haven't. Um, there's nothing we found to be better. It's a very effective product. Uh, one thing that we have changed over the years is our concrete leveling process. We used to yeah. do the mud jacking, and now we do polyjacking. Uh, which is a much more effective process. You know, all we had was the mud jacking, but we realized a couple of things. One is um, not only can that material, which is made up of a kind of a lime aggregate uh, cement mix, uh, kind of the consistency of a milkshake, that could eventually wash out uh, over time, and it actually puts more weight on the soil below, uh, where the the poly, uh, we're able to go in at a much higher pressure, uh, we can we make we we leave uh, much smaller holes, so it's much less. There's not it's not as noticeable after we're done uh, as far as the uh, the the concrete color mismatch in the concrete, just the slight tiny little holes there. Yeah, but sure. a big a big chunk of it weighs like a beach ball, so it's a very mm-hmm. effective product. Nice, nice. Well, will you stick around here? We'll do it. 
Okay, Brian Adcock, Helitech, Scott, uh, Scott Mosby at your service. We're going to take a short pause, come back for more on University of KMOX. Welcome back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, once again, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, back together. Scott Mosby at your service. Brian Adcock with Helitech standing by. Uh, let's see what's happening with my buddy Norma. Hey, Norma, good morning. How can I help this fine day? Hey, hi, Scott. <clears throat> How are you? Fantastic. I have a question. Uh, my house was built in 1956. Uh, it's a one-and-a-half story. Um, more of the foundation shows on the north end of the house than on the back and on the front. Okay. On the front, you can only see about a foot of the foundation. And I've got something what I think I've heard you talk about before. It's called rebar pop. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see the pieces of rebar uh, through there, and I'm wondering, is that is that something that you have to dig way down for and mess up my beautiful yard, or well, is that something that's a cosmetic thing? Well, the good news is those rebars generally run horizontally, so uh, let's, yes, let's, uh, check, let's check out with Brian and see what's happening. Mr. Adcock, what do you have for us, brother? Yes, sir. So, yeah, that rebar pop, see, it's very common. Um, Ma'am, are you are you seeing? Is there uh, is there part of the wall? Are you talking about on the inside? You're seeing it or on the outside? Oh no, it's on the outside. When you walk up my okay. sidewalk, I don't like the way that looks because it's, yeah. I'm glad it's behind my Japanese maple tree. That helps. <laughs> gotcha. But so I don't it is. Like it's, above, it looks. it's above the soil line. It's above gray yes. there. Is where you're yes, and it. it seems to me like that I should probably repair that because I'm going to have siding done. And that just I just think it would look a lot better to get that fixed. Yeah, even though rebar pop isn't is a isn't a major structural issue, uh, you uh-huh. know that concrete you can't cause that concrete the, the foundation to start chipping away. Uh, we have an excellent fix for that where we we use a carbon bond material. Um, it's a multi-directional fabric that's uh, 12 inches wide that we install over the rebar pop. Uh, and then it, when it's used outside, it does need to be, can be painted. It does need to be painted to protect it from the UV sure. uh, rays. Is that very expensive? No. No, it's just a very low Would you like just come in and give me an estimate on that sometime if I call? We sure can. Yeah, just uh, okay. give the office a call. I will keep uh, that in mind. And also, I am a teacher uh, and I've been a teacher for over 43 years. There are a lot of boys that have come through my classes that I know are interested in getting jobs, and they would be much better getting a job in the trades, and they could make a lot better money than if they would try to go to college and get a bachelor degree. I'm sure you agree with me on that. But I'm going to let some of them know, you know, that you guys are looking for people because some of them are mighty good guys, and oh, yeah. and uh, they might be able to, to get a job in a, in a place like yours. Well, please do. Uh, they will learn a yeah. lot. We have some oh, yes. very experienced individuals they'll be working yeah. under. Uh, and uh, Helitech is a fantastic company to work for. Um, the benefits, full benefits, and great pay. That's so, great. yeah, please. We, please we need more money. young people. We need more young people in our country going into trades. That's for sure. Amen. Yeah, thank It'll you. Help. Thank you so much. Thank you, Norma. Yeah. Thanks very much for your advice. Bye bye. All right. Thanks for the teacher service, too. Uh, oh, two of the, uh, yeah. God bless you, Norma. Thanks. I want to help as much as I can. Thank you oh. so much. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. 
Uh, all right, Brian, there you go. Uh, and uh, being an essential service, uh, of course, taking care of our homes and the maintenance and uh, protection of those. Uh, again, that's kind of nice and uh, certainly nice to see that our teachers have been recognized as an essential service as well in our world. Uh, gosh, keeps the world going around. Brian, thanks for the help there, brother, too. Uh, we're going to wrap You're up welcome. the hour here. Uh, anything you want to say in closing here, my friend? Oh, just uh, if anyone uh, has any waterproofing, concrete leveling, or foundation issues, they're seeing any settlement. Like you said, if it does, uh, when things start to dry out and that becomes an issue, um, don't hesitate to give Helitech a call. We'll come out and give you a free uh, diagnosis. Okay, 800-246-9721. What's the website there, Brian? www.helitechonline.com. All right. Hey, Brian Adcock, Helitech, thanks for coming by, helping out our listeners here on CAMOX. You're welcome. Thank you, Scott. Have a good day. All right. Bye-bye now. Stay tuned. Top of the hour, news, weather, and sports right here on University of CAMOX. CAMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby, on KMOX. And back together, hour two, lunchtime, bean time, top of the day, right in the middle of the sun. Yep, indeed, KMOX, 50,000 watts. One more hour of the Helitech Home Improvement Show. Lots of things happening. Phone lines open for you, 314-436-7900-436-7900. Toll free anywhere on the globe, 800-925-1120. Some of the stories you've heard about CAMOX signal how far it would go uh, in a book and in the 90th uh, uh, celebration of CAMOX uh, some years ago, uh, there was a serviceman who took off from Scott Air Force Base here and was landing in London some time ago and was listening to Cardinal Baseball as they were, uh, you know, descending to the airport as they were flying into London. Uh, my furthest uh, par- furthest uh, distance phone call came from Puerto Rico some years ago, and uh, it was kind of interesting because it was around this time of year, and the fella called in and he said, well, how do I winterize my plumbing pipes? And I, it's like, wait a minute, man, you're in Puerto Rico. What What are you doing winterizing pipes? Oh, no, no, I have a place in St. Louis. And, I, you know, anyway, it was interesting. So uh, I was very um, uh, honored to have been called from as far away uh, as Puerto Rico. So uh, actually, uh, best uh, of uh, luck to Puerto Rico. My gosh, that, uh, wow, that nation has really had some issues, don't you think? Well, let's talk about our issues around our homes, 314-436-7900, Brian Adcock joined us from Helitech last hour. Uh, he stepped away from his busy <laughs> excuse me, schedule. Oh, cut it out there. Uh, stepped away from his busy schedule uh, to come in and talk with us about various things. And uh, indeed, and the Helitech is there, very busy uh, and hiring now. So uh, spread the word. And frankly, Mosby Building Arts is too. Uh, my name is Scott Mosby. I own Mosby Building Arts. Uh, we're a uh, second generation home remodeler. And uh, really, uh, kind of, it's just a great business. Uh, I, I love my job. Uh, I get to work with creative people in the architectural department, uh, certified kitchen and bath designers that come up with new ideas 
of where to put that blow dryer, where to find a place to put an electrical plug inside the cabinet for storage and convenience, the types of lighted mirrors we have now, and the appliances that are now moving to the bathroom and the bathing and all that. So uh, it's really kind of interesting. It's not just in kitchen design as, as well where we're seeing the entire, you know, the world of the Internet, you know, the wired world, if you will, that appliances are now talking to our phones and we can start the roast from, you know, the the, the evening out that we're having. All that is really, it's just a dynamic industry to be part of now with the Internet becoming such a big deal. And as an industry, one of the things we're really faced with is when we wire everything like that, it's important to, you know, get the security right. So, uh, you know, that we deal with at Mosby Building Arts all the time. And IT or, you know, the Wi-Fi um, networking, all of that has become more and more and more a part of home remodeling. Uh, it used to be called home automation, uh, but really putting together the lighting controls, the televisions, the audio, uh, the door locks. You're seeing all that through the Internet, you know, through things like the ring front door camera. Well, that, you know, that is everywhere now. That's kind of, uh, you know, par for the course, if you will. Phone lines here at KMOX, 314-436-7900, You're welcome to contact Mosby Building Arts if you're looking for some advice or any help with that. Our phone number, uh, we're in the Kirkwood area. If you can hear my voice, we serve your area. And the Mosby phone number is 314-909-1800, 314-909-1800. More information, or really just to look at some eye candy, we've got some great projects on the website, callmosby.com, like telephone, callmosby, C-A-L-L-M-O-S-B-Y.com. And it really is and was intended to be our out there showroom not only to show people what we do and our capabilities with the extraordinary tradespeople we have, the design ability that we have and how we integrate that all in one company to really kind of squeeze the air out and try and design out uh, the communication pitfalls that are involved in a large logistical project like remodeling a home. So that's how and who we are at Mosby Building Arts. Uh, let's see what's happening here with uh, phone lines and fire up and talk with my friend uh, Joan. Hey, Joan, Scott Mosby here. Thanks for your patience, and how can I help? Thanks thanks for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. I've got a 50-year-old house, and Mm -hmm. the kitchen ceiling is cracking. Mm -hmm. It looks like it's cracking in a square. Okay. And part of it's actually coming down, about an eighth of an inch. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. 50 years old, that's probably drywall, Joan. Do you think it is? Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So Um, what's involved in repairing that? Well, there's two answers. Number one, uh, the easy and the hard. <clears throat> Generally, uh, some of the drywall, because of the humidity in our part of the country, Joan, that drywall can actually get soft um, to where the humidity really just makes it softer and it starts pulling and popping. Sometimes it's as simple as rescrewing up the drywall. Oftentimes, you know, 50 years ago, they might have been going too fast and they didn't put enough fasteners in it. That's number one. Number two, if you don't properly uh, ventilate your attic, you trap that moist air, just the humidity we normally have in St. Louis, and then you heat it all up to a super high temperature. Well, you're pretty much steaming the dry 
drywall to an early demise and it starts falling off the ceiling like that. Either way, get it uh, uh, checked because I've seen full ceilings, full rooms dropping of both plaster and drywall, and it's it's uh, e- and it's an ounce of prevention. So a few dollars now can save thousands later. So yeah, please uh, attest uh, attend to that. Mm-hmm. Who would I call about that? Uh, call our company. You're welcome to call Mosby Building Arts. Uh, we pretty much either will take care of it for you or refer you to somebody that we trust. So it's a great place to start. We kind of, you know, that that's kind of who and what we are. So we'll be glad to help you. 314-909-1800. Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay, Joan. Good luck. Bye now. And that's one of the, you know, people say, what is the hardest phone call you've had? Well, one of those was a plaster ceiling that fell, um, and it was a good-sized living room, something, you know, one of those living rooms that goes from the front to the back of the house, about 18 feet wide and 30 feet long, and that whole chunk of plaster fell like a big plywood sheet, just Boom, came down on the beautiful grand piano um, and, uh, you know, really caused some damage. But the the whole concept was, you know, if anybody had been in that room, that was a big deal. So, again, what happens is that plaster ceiling on some of the houses, your houses are going to be 80 to 90 years old, you know, and, you know, so built around the 50s, you know, 1950s, you're 60, 70, 80 years old there. Those pieces of plywood that are on the side of the house, house you know and then you've got plaster lath which is kind of a drywall and then they screw that up and then they put plaster on basically you've got a big chunk of concrete that's your ceiling and a chunk of concrete that is your wall if it's a plaster house that stuff's heavy and oftentimes when you're looking at a ceiling where the nails are nailed straight up this is before screws you know that those nails you know that plaster just falls so anyway uh, get it taken care of Joan thanks for the call we're gonna take a short pause here on University of KMOX my name is Scott Mosby this is KMOX I am at your service and I'll be right back all right back together Helitech home improvement show uh, let's get right to the phone lines I have Gary Squared. I have two Garys here. Let's talk to Gary with the water in the basement. Gary, good afternoon. Lunch on CamWex. How can I help, sir? Yeah, Gary, want the water in the basement? Yes, sir. You're on. Maybe. All right. Well, let's try the other Gary. We'll put this Gary on hold and go to the other Gary with housejacking. Hey, Gary, Scott Mosby here. Afternoon. How can I help? Housejacking. Hello. Are my fingers working? Did I hit the wrong? Okay, uh, let's see. Uh, let's put this Gary on hold. Let's see who else has been waiting. Let's try Michael. See what's happening with steel siding. Hey, Michael, are you there, my friend, this afternoon, or have yes, I messed I this up? All right, we have. Le- Thanks, Michael. Nice to have you, brother. How can I help? Yes, uh, I have steel siding on my house, mm-hmm. and in certain places, there's a little bit of uh, r- rust that's uh, you know working its way around and. Um, I've attempted to sand that rust off, and I put a little bit of silicone caulk on it. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, I want to paint that, but I want to know what the right kind of paint is to put on steel siding. Well, steel siding is no different than painting your car. So painting steel is pretty effective. Um, and, and frankly, uh, you know, find a good quality paint store. 
and uh, take some photographs of that because it's not the silicone caulk. Silicone actually, there's you know, paint doesn't stick to silicone caulk or silicone spray, so it's considered a contaminant. So don't put any more caulk on there. Instead, find a uh, a uh, primer that the paint store can sell you. And when you have small areas like that with little rust, you know, just kind of get in there. You can scratch the rust off, and then just with a Q-tip for a small application, you can just put a tiny bit of primer on there. Uh, and then have them sell you uh, a paint for that whole uh, steel siding. Now, full disclosure, your steel siding is lap siding, and it laps end-to-end. So, you know, just like it goes up and down as a horizontal, those end pieces, they're about 12 foot 6 inches long or 12, 3, I forget what the lengths are. I put a lot of that stuff up. Um, But steel gets longer in the summer and shorter in the winter when the temperature changes. So the problem with painting steel siding or aluminum siding, both of which you can do, is that you can't, you know, the when the winter comes, all those pieces of siding get shorter and you wind up a little quarter-inch unpainted strips or you have to get up underneath every lap between those end butt joints of those siding. So that's the tough part. Your steel siding will last forever. Uh, it can successfully be painted, but you may wind up in the wintertime going back and touching up this uh, painted siding and that's why you don't see a whole lot of steel siding anymore is that expansion and contraction but it holds paint really well uh lasts a long time but when it starts rusting like that i will tell you michael you're kind of in the beginning of the end i see okay well you know actually because it is steel siding there really should never have been any rust to appear Right, right. Well, steel siding has a 30, 40, and some of it even had 50-year coating um, thing. But, I mean, you know, if you don't paint, if you don't, uh, you know, maintain your car, do you think your car is not going to rust in 10 or 20? You know, I mean, it's steel, so it does rust when water gets behind it. And the issue is when we would install steel siding, we will cut it to length which when we pull the board or that metal siding piece out, it's fully coated and covered. But then I cut it to length on one end and then slide it up against a corner board. Now that end has some water application and so it can rust. So just the installation process of steel siding invites and, and breaches that rust barrier, if you will. Right. That This siding is about 50 years old right now and uh, there there is it's high enough off of the ground mm. that uh, water issue isn't a real problem but there is say like water that comes over the roof and the awning that um, I guess if the weather's cold enough sometimes in the winter time you know it'll kind of like freeze and it'll work its way up underneath of the panels yeah yeah well, that's systemic in any lap siding. That happens even in the old wood clabbert. You know, the moisture gets behind lap siding. It's designed to do that. So that's, you know, just, just be aware that 50-year-old steel siding is about the end of its design useful life because of the coating failure. I see. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. Sorry, Michael. It, it, I mean, you got a half century out of the siding. That's, that's pretty darn good. So, I, I, you know, you're doing all right. Yeah, doing real good here with that. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, you can touch it up a little bit. Just get a pro to sell you the right primer for that siding and the right top coat. And the problem is you're not going to exactly match that color. So just like touching up your car with a Q-tip, that's what your house is going to look like too. So it will definitely be like a, 
a two coat process. Y- yes, y- yes. The 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 primer is designed to seal the steel, and the top coat is designed to repel the elements. So they're two different purposes when you wind up with that. And that's why cars have primer and they hot zinc dip, you know, so that's why automobiles are built the way they are. It's the same kind of thing with steel siding. So you're trying to, in the field, uh, assimilate a factory coating system. I see. Okay. Yeah. Well, once again, thank you. Okay, Michael. Good luck. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Th- thanks for being there. I wonder if we still have a Gary. Let's uh, let's try Gary Water in the Basement. Hey, Gary, are you waking up there, brother? Scott Mosby here. Are you with me, my my friend with Water in the Basement? Yes, sir, I am. Roger that. You're on. Lift off. How can I help you, friend? <laughs> uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had the storm, lots of rain and power outage. We live in Olivet, and, and we lost power, and that's the sump pump stopped working, and we ended up with a lot of water in the basement. And, and I've wondered... What's the source of that water? And, to, and secondly, what can be done, uh, and I was thinking of Helitech, what can be done to fix it so that we don't have that problem again? Well, number one, uh, Olivet, it, that electrical grid, we put in at Mosby quite a few backup power generators in that part of the of town. So there's just something in that neighborhood that I think it I think it built fast after World War II, and it you know so the infrastructure. It, so anyway, my point is is you will continue to lose power. This was an issue ten years ago, twenty years ago. It still is, and Ameren, you know, is trying to deal with it the best they can, um, but. You know, without having a power backup, Helitech has a battery backup. So basically, you plug it into the wall, the wall charges a battery, and then you as a homeowner are responsible to make sure every couple of years that that battery is still operating. So you get three, four hours of operation out of that if you lose power. But if you lose power for days, about the only thing, and that, you know, and that's why we put in power back, you know, backup power generators, and I bet a lot of your neighbors have them, you know, for just that reason. So that would that would do it. It's not a pro, It's not a matter of, of of having a leaky basement or something that can be done to the structure. Because I, I have no idea where the water came from. Well, it it what it. it, it, it it's like the Three Stooges with the water coming out. Everything. He's like, where do I get a glass of water? Turn on anything. You'll get it. I mean, you know, the water goes into the ground, and when we saturate the soil, your house is stuck down in the ground like a bowl, like a buried bowl, just like a boat in the ocean with the water trying to get in. Only it's a house, not a boat. So water comes in. So by having the sump pump and the system you have, it is collecting the water, but it requires an electrical connection to make that sump pump work so your responsibility now sounds like you got the right thing going but i would call helitech and ask them about you know uh, what else could i do but i think it's a battery backup uh, but keep in mind you can put multiple batteries in there but you know the reality is if you're out of power for more than three to six hours you're going to need a backup generator to really fire up and, and usually it's it's gas fired so it hooks up to the natural gas line and they cost somewhere between 10 and 15,000 and, and if you want to do the whole house that goes up to 30 and 35,000 for a backup power generator to run your air conditioners well do or does your company uh, uh, do the installation of, of, of a gas generator like that or does Helitech or 
Who do I go to? Uh, usually, usually we do, or it's just an electrician. If it's just the electrician, many we uh, will refer you to an electrical co- uh, contractor that puts in generators, and they typically handle the gas installation. We get involved when you're doing a patio, a pool, or some sort of an outdoor design living area, and that's when Mosby Building Arts can really, you know, come on. And then it's like, well, where do you put an ugly generator, and where would it be silent enough, <laughs> and what does the code allow, and how does the city of Olivet look upon a, you know, a noisemaker next to your neighbor's bedroom, when, you know, all that stuff. That's kind of what we do. I understand. So should should I call your office to get a referral to the electrician? Or Yeah, that's the, that's the best way because well, the, we put a lot of these things in. So we are a, a prime consumer of all these electrical services, and we are a licensed electrician as well, but we can't do all the work ourselves. So we have great electricians that we work with and happy to you know help their business grow too. Oh, wonderful, sir. Well, I'll call Monday. Yeah, yeah. Sounds good. Thank you, Gary. Thanks a million. Good luck. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. It's funny. uh, You know, it's kind of like the Helitech guys. You know, they they have the Helitech guys, and they assign them by kind of regions of, you know, the start. They do southern Illinois or northern Illinois. And the reason is because they know the soil. You know, it's like, well, I'm going to see a house and such. Well, in my world, Olivet, Creve Coeur, they lose power a lot. And those of you that live in those neighborhoods, and many of them are slab homes, and, and they were built, and it's a great neighborhood. Many of these big ranch sprawling homes, you know, so for aging in place, you know, accessibility, uh, those homes are fabulous. But from time to time, the power goes down for whatever the reason is, and it's been that way for a long time. I, I, you know, I, maybe they're, you know, that substation is just in Mother Nature's way. Well, let's see. You know what? I better take a short pause here. I'm a little windy this second hour, as I usually am. Let's take a short pause and come back for more on University of KMOX. All right, Hour 2 Home Improvement KMOX. This is the Helitech Home Improvement Show. Scott Mosby at your service. Let's go to my friend Mark, who have moisture in the basement. Mark, a good afternoon. How can I help, sir? Yeah, Scott. Um, yeah. I've been in the house for 14 years. I built the house. There's a drain on the on the inside and the outside of the foundation. Uh, closet in the back corner room uh, has always been, I won't say wet, but just damp. I run a dehumidifier in there every day and probably dump out about a gallon of water out of there about every eight to ten hours. Uh, No moisture on the walls, no moisture on the floor. Uh, Where's it coming from? Uh, Well, this time of year, it could be anywhere because everything's saturated down in that area. So I'm I'm proposing that there there could even be a uh, real loamy soil, just a pocket of water in the soil under the ground that just happens to absorb moisture and hold it. So even in dry areas, and that water will just come through your concrete foundation. It just does. It Concrete is very porous. Limestone has been used as a water filter for thousands of years. So your foundation is a slow transmitter of moisture. Um, so that being said, I would look at your downspouts, make sure your downspouts, any 
underground drains. If you have any downspouts dumping at that corner, just get that water at least 10 feet away from that. Look at the terrain outdoors. Make sure you're not draining, you know, water surface runoff past that area that continually, uh, continually refeeds that water sump under the ground. That's number one. Number two, you may have blocked drain tile on the out and the end because, frankly, the outside stuff, even at 14 years, you can plug that stuff up on the outside if you have a very active water flow. So if you if you have a lot of water on the outside and it keeps going to that same corner, the erosion, it'll actually plug up your old outside drain tile. So your drain tile may be working. It may not in that corner, or you may just have high humidity. But either way, uh, I would reconsider dropping another sump pit down in that corner. You know what I mean? Just, uh, you know, I mean, if I know the moisture is there, you either keep doing what you're doing or if you want to try and address it, you know, basically rifle approach of go right to that corner where you know the problem is in that closet, break the floor and put a sump pit and a sump uh, pump in it. And since you know that's a source of the water and go right to it and see how that works. But, you know, you're kind of guessing, you know, that might be that's probably how Helitech would go about doing it. There's an air conditioner vent in that room. Would it be best to sh- turn that down? Because my concern is the oh, warm yeah. air coming out of the dehumidifier hitting that cool air is that I might be creating moisture with that. Absolutely. Or, A- absolutely. I would not. Uh, uh, it, because if you're chilling the air but you're not removing the air, what you need in that room is supply and escape or return. So if you're blowing, if you're making that cooler, you're hitting the dew point faster, you could be causing most of this yourself. I mean, the good old, just okay. the St. Louis humidity can deliver enough moisture to, you know, meet the volume that you're talking about there. That, you know, you may be causing a lot of this, but I still think you've got a higher than normal source of water in that corner. All right. Thank you. Okay. Good luck, Mark. Take care. Uh, and and there we go. The, uh, the dew point is when the temperature drops cool enough down from the top, you know, come down from the top, okay, 90, 80, 70 degrees Fahrenheit, and then your humidity, relative uh, humidity, how much water is in vapor form in the air, and the more moisture you are, you and I know it is close or humid or whatever, as that humidity comes up, where the dropping temperature and the rising humidity match, that's when, that's why you hear all of the uh, weather forecasts talk about the dew point, and that's the point at which it's chilly enough that the water droplets on the outside of your iced tea glass form. Well, that actually happens on building materials inside wall cavities, um, in air conditioning ducts. People call in and say, I have water dripping off my walls. It's the dew point around that area as well. So that's much of what I'm talking about. Uh, let's see what's going on, and let's talk with, uh, how about Anthony? Let's see what's cooking with Anthony. Looks like he's got his uh, uh, hands full. Hey, Anthony, Scott Mosby here. How can I help, sir? Yeah, thanks for taking my call. I've got a typical double kitchen sink mm-hmm. with the garbage disposal on one side, and it was replaced uh, within the past year. This, it's in an island that stacks about six or seven feet away, mm-hmm. and whenever I turn on the garbage disposal, or even when I don't turn on the garbage disposal and run a little bit of water, it starts backing up in both sides of the sink. Okay. And then when I turn on the garbage disposal, it will come up, in the other side of, a, of that double sink. So I, uh, of course, snaked out the drain, 
Mm-hmm. And I also thought there might be an air block, so I installed an air vent on the downstream side of the P-trap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And was just wondering if you had any ideas of what might be causing the backup. Uh, sometimes you have to drop far enough down below. Uh, that sink. So keep in mind, uh, you can put a P-trap underneath both of those bowls. But when you have a disposal, you don't put a P-trap on bowl number two. And that is just an L-pipe that, as you well know, comes right into the side of that disposal. If the, the, the direction of the disposal slings that water in there, you can indeed, there's nothing to stop the water from coming up on bowl number two, uh, other than a strainer or something like that. It's unusual, but typically what stops that is is dropping uh, and and you know dropping that L pipe down longer. It's the drop coming out. If you only come down an inch or two and then over into the disposal, sometimes it's just too direct a pipe, and you can blow that water right up into bowl number two. You following me so far? Yes. Uh, where the L pipe meets the P trap, it's probably got a half inch of drop. Wow. Um, and you're saying that that might not be enough. Uh, yeah, that's that's true. And some of those double where you get bowls that are too deep like that, that can be a problem. Or see if you can put a second P-trap on there. It will slow down and it may not may not even fit. But if that you're kind of inherently seeing when you have the, uh, uh, you know, the T-piece that drops out of the bottom of that strainer on bowl number two. Um, and if it drops into a P-trap and then into the disposal, that's technically not the way to do it, but it doesn't hurt anything. That will overcome that backflow. The problem is I think you're going to find that it's hard to get. You may not have enough drop to even put the P-trap on. You following me? Well, yes. Now, I'm having a problem where even without running the garbage disposal, it'll back up into the other sink. Are you sure you the knockout on that disposal got knocked out on the drain side of that? Uh, you know what I'm I talking about? Pull it off. And, oh, absolutely. And I, well, looking sometimes, you know, the 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 plumber will you know put a screwdriver in and give it a whack and knock that piece out for the drain. And sometimes only half of it comes out. Uh, so you may have a restricted flow coming out of your disposal, which can maybe answer a lot of this. If it doesn't get rid of that water quickly, you know, it'll get rid of it through the secondary method, which is back into bowl number two. I see. Okay. Well, I really appreciate the advice. Yeah, inspect what you expect. It's an old business adage, but it also works in the trades. If you think it's working and it's not, make sure your assumptions are sound and make sure that knockout and the disposal is there. Make sure that, you know, where your uh, P-trap goes into the wall, make sure that's working, Um, you know, just and flush out, you know, make sure your P-trap's clear and free, too. And those air vents that uh, in in the pipe uh, before you get to the... uh, the air vent itself, yeah. the, ver- the vertical one. Do those get clogged up? Yeah, they can. But keep in mind, those air vents need to be mounted. And this would be another T-pipe coming up. They need to be oh. above the highest flow line in your sink. So when you fill up that kitchen sink, that vent needs to be higher than that. I see. Because otherwise you overcome it. So that, you know, that's, you know, these uh, air vents, you know, you have to kind of pipe those pretty involved to get it up. I mean, it sits right up underneath the countertop is the proper location for those vents. I see. Yeah, they're they're a handful for us at Mosby. Believe me, I know, you know, through pain, this is, how do I get this vent high enough if we're, you know, in an island here? So. Right. All right. Thanks. Thanks so much. Good luck, Anthony. You have your hands full there, brother. 
All right. Bye now. Home Improvement. Take a short pause. Scott Mosby, KMOX. I'll be right back after this. All right. Scott Mosby back together here. Finishing up lunchtime. KMOX. Stay tuned. More things coming here on KMOX, so stay tuned all day. Uh, great afternoon. Uh, nice kind of weather. Not bad. A little sticky, but other than that, let's uh, see what's happening. Let's go to my friend Gary, see what's happening uh, underneath his concrete slab. Hey, Gary, Scott Mosby here. Good afternoon. How can I help? I'm doing fine. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I have a slab that's a, that's setting on the foundation, mm-hmm. and then it, it jets into the yard a little bit. And over the years, after 30 years, the ground is shrunk away from the underneath the slab, and I have an issue with animals getting and building burrows under there. Yeah. And so I thought that if I would use that uh, foam injection underneath there, that I could stop that and kind of then build up rocks around the edge of it to keep them from uh, wanting to make a home or den there. Would that be a, a way to solve my problem? Uh, and would that work? Short term, yes. The problem is that, I mean, there may be a void underneath that slab big enough for you to climb into, Um, you know, because that the one place the machine can't backfill when the house is built, that bracket is there and, and it's hard for that machine to compact the soil around the front porch. So their brackets or haunches are coming out of that foundation and then that front porch is poured on top of that so it doesn't settle, you know, because of this same issue. The soil keeps settling and dropping out from underneath that. My, my recommendation, don't do gravel because gravel, unless you have the fines, it tends to hold moisture. The issue is you have to get a ton of soil. I mean, literally sometimes a ton of soil down in there. Uh, And if you foam it, what will happen is the water will find a path around the side of the foam because you still have a big barrel full of void underneath a foundation where water is coming all the time. And we just had a really wet summer, uncharacteristically wet. That water will find a way to to gather underneath your front porch unless you fill it up with soil or something else expansive like that. I've talked to Helitech about it on the poly uh, concrete leveling. They can. The problem is, is that stuff is so strong it can actually put pressure on the side of the foundation. So if they're very careful, they can. The problem is that it, it can also plug up any kind of drain tile down there too. So again, low tech well, matters. I, a little bit of soil would be the best. I had the house built. Yeah. Okay. And uh, the drain tile was a useless. Uh, thing because they backfilled over it with dirt yeah. uh, to begin with. And then that, what I did is I took hoses and stuck them down in the ground to make that all sink. Yeah, settle it. Down as much as possible before I moved in. And I really had minimal issues after that. The only place I have a problem is on my front porch. Yeah. So uh, that's where I could not get to to get it to sink. So yeah. um, anyway... Uh, so filling it with dirt is probably my key answer. Yeah, yeah I mean, kind of. You, you understand the process, jetting the soil the way you did it when the house was new. The issue is, is you kind of needed a six or eight foot pipe on a hose where you jet it down underneath that slab. The soil settles, and then you keep pushing dirt around. Now, you know, X years later, you still have to finish that job. It's the same process. It's just kind of a pain, and it can, sometimes it can use a lot of soil. Yeah, I understand. Okay, thanks again. 
Yeah, so you're using kind of a topsoil, a lot of sand in it so that it kind of runs in there pretty freely. If you use clay, uh, clay can expand. It comes in big chunks, and when it's wet, it doesn't work very well. So, you know, I'd, I'd use a you – know, whatever soil pours down in that hole as easily as possible. And my high-tech compaction tool is a 2 by 4 <laughs> Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay, Gary. Good luck, my friend. Uh, hey, listen, we're uh, running out of time here for uh, uh, last callers. I appreciate the calls. Stay tuned. Big afternoon of KMOX. Cardinals are playing baseball again. Whoops, uh, Blues last night. Uh, you know, it could have been something. Uh, anyway, stay tuned more on KMOX. My name is Scott Mosby. You're welcome to check out the Mosby Building Arts website. We've got blogs there on how to remove load-bearing wall, fireplace, and hearths, uh, how the various uh, methods are part of that. I promise to talk about that ran out a little bit of time also islands versus peninsulas when you get into kitchen design so that's kind of one of the things at uh, at uh, callmosby.com stay tuned more coming up here on kmox